I'm going to invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. In the Pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 573. Uh, When I was in college, if I'm remembering correctly, I started my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Lots of time for preparation. You know, judging by what you hear in the news today, if you haven't nearly finished your Christmas shopping, you're already behind. But even if you began preparing for Christmas months ago, God has us all beat because he began preparing us for Christmas centuries ago. In fact, the the prophecy about a child being born to us that we're going to be looking at this morning was made about 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And it came at a time when God's people were weary. They needed a word of hope. The the people were described with three words. The, the, The context, what was this? Gloom, anguish, darkness. Now, as we look to Christmas 2021... I hope that some of you, if not all of you, are looking forward uh, to Christmas. And and that some of you really are kind of uh, reflecting the old Andy Williams Christmas song. It's the happiest season of all. If that's where you are, then that is fantastic. I mean, that is a gift. And and praise God for that. But uh, let's be real. To others of us, uh, probably have some mixed emotions about Christmas, uh, because Christmas seems to heighten the trials that we go through and, and, and makes them even more pronounced. Uh, some of us, you know, we're going through loss, the loss of a loved one, uh, the loneliness, sometimes a strained relationship. Uh, sometimes we're going through financial struggles, and, and that's especially difficult at, at Christmas. Others of us are going through really significant sin struggles. And and add to all of that the the stress of having to be your Instagrammable best, as one person put it. You know, the the stress of having uh, the beautiful Christmas decorations and the special Christmas meals and just right Christmas presents. Add that to everything else that's already going on. And and Christmas can feel fairly difficult at times. And then for us now, coming off of two years or so of a pandemic, life can feel kind of tough. I mean, we live in a broken world, and and sometimes we feel it uh, more than other times. And that's why we need Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, because there we read of a child who is coming to bring light into the darkness and joy into the gloom and the anguish. We read there of a Savior who comes to enable us to have everything we need to walk with him, to soldier on even when life becomes difficult. One verse this morning. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we do need our Savior. We thank you that he has come for us and will come again. And we pray that even his names will be of great comfort and encouragement to us during this Christmas season. In Christ's name, amen. This Advent, what we're going to do is take those four names in that verse, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We're going to take one of those names of our Savior each Sunday. And today we begin with Wonderful Counselor. And to understand that, we need to go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament to really have some sense of how Wonderful Counselor is exactly what we need in our day and in the next day and the next. Uh, Because what you have in the letter written to the Hebrews is is a letter written to a group of people who were going through a very difficult time. There was persecution. There were the daily struggles of life in a broken world. There was the daily battle with sin. And, And what you have then are a group of followers of Jesus who are tempted to give up and to turn away from following Jesus. And and so what the author does then is is to remind them of what we have in Christ so that we don't turn away. And specifically, what he does is he takes them back to the Old Testament to a time when God's people had been freed from slavery in Egypt. They were traveling to the promised land, and they were in a physical, literal wilderness where life was tough. And what happened then is that God's people did give up and did turn away from God. And so the writer of Hebrews says, look at their example and don't do what they did. And here's the point. What he's saying to them is, look, you're in a wilderness as well. It's not a physical wilderness. It's a spiritual wilderness. Because life is a journey through a very broken world. Life is a journey through a spiritual wilderness. And and there's one thing that you need if you're going to make it through. One thing. The one thing that you need is a counselor. This is the way he put it in chapter 3. Verses 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So here's, here's the place where I want us to focus this morning. Exhort one another every day. That's the one thing that all of us need if we're going to walk with Jesus and not turn away from him, even when life gets very difficult. That's the one thing we need to get us through life, which is a wilderness. And so we need to understand what this word exhort means. Now, in your Bible, maybe the word is translated encourage. But if you go back to the Greek, it's actually made up of two words. The one meaning to come alongside, the other meaning to to call out or or to speak into. And so you put those two, uh, two words really together, and what you have is this, a coming alongside in order to give you the word you need. 
And that may be a word of encouragement. I mean, sometimes don't we get down? Don't we get discouraged? Don't we need someone to come alongside and, and to encourage us, to, to speak into our lives in a way that, that gives us the kind of the courage to get back up and, and to try again? Uh, sometimes we need a word of comfort. We're in deep pain. And we need somebody to come alongside and, and to minister the, the good news of the gospel, the, the comfort of the Spirit to us. Sometimes it's a warning. Sometimes we get comfortable with the word and the, with the world, and, and, and we're tempted to give in to the world. We're tempted to do something that, quite frankly, will lead to a, a level of destruction in our lives. And so we need a warning. Uh, but, but you get the point. This word exhort, it, it means to, to come alongside and, and to give you exactly what you need in terms of a, a word of life, a life-giving word, whether it's warning or encouragement or comfort or whatever it may be. And, and if that sounds like godly counsel, that's exactly what it is. In fact, the word exhort can be translated in English. The underlying words can be translated as the word counsel. So, if you and I are going to make it through the wilderness, if you and I are going to stay true to Jesus Christ, stay close to Him, grow even closer to Him, even when there are temptations all around us to go in other ways, then we need this godly counsel. And we don't just need it on occasion. We're told to exhort one another every day. In other words, God is saying, look, you're not going to do as well as I want you to do apart from those kinds of relationships where you have someone at least who speaks into your life to give you what you need. Now, so we need each other. This is a team sport, as it were. But when we go back to Isaiah 9 verse 6, what we see is that even more important than each other, though God has given us to each other, even more important than that is the wonderful counselor, the one who is the ultimate counselor, the one who can give us exactly what we need, the only one, quite frankly. He knows at every moment exactly what word we need. And what I want to do this morning is to briefly kind of show you how Christ is the ultimate counselor and, and to do so in two different ways. First point is, is simply this. Our wonderful counselor comes to us. That's the first point. Second is this. Our wonderful counselor doesn't just come to us, but he also gives himself to us. And, and so first point Simply this, our wonderful counselor comes to us. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. As the angel said in Luke 2, verse 12, to the shepherds outside Bethlehem, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for us. And so what we need to see is this isn't some distant kind of detached God who remains aloof from us, who looks down on us and sees the mess we have made of our lives and sometimes of his world and just kind of remain apart from us. He not only is not detached, but he cares deeply about us. He, he's chosen to uh, identify himself with his creation, especially the height of his creation, his, his people. And so he sees us in our pain. He sees us in our need. And knowing we can do nothing really to save ourselves, he comes for us. 
But the, the message of Christmas, though, it goes way beyond that. In coming for us, he actually becomes one of us. For to us, a child is born. And he's not just any child. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he's Jesus, the, the son of Mary. And so he is both God and man. And that's why he is the ultimate counselor, the one that we must have if we are to make it in this world in a way uh, that really does result in, in our flourishing. And that's why the author of Hebrews exhorts us to, to stay the course uh, with these words in chapter 4, verse 15, these words about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with us or with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we, we, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us because he has been there ahead of us. He's been tempted in every way that we are. He's been there. He's been through it all. And so whatever we go through, he's already been through it. I couldn't help as I was looking at this passage this morning uh, to go back to a movie that uh, I think Judy and I saw back when it came out in about 1991. It's called The Doctor, and it starred William Hurt. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know that he's a brilliant heart surgeon, and he cares deeply about getting surgery right, but he doesn't really care about his patients. And you see him, uh, you know, kind of very self-centered, very focused on his ability uh, to, to heal. And you see him taking around a group of residents on one occasion, and this is what he says, I'd rather you cut straight and care less. Surgery is about judgment, and the judge should have to be detached. Now, then, though, this doctor gets sick. He gets really sick, and he becomes the patient. He goes through everything that his patients have to go through, and he comes out the other side with a great amount of empathy for the first time uh, for his patients. He still cares greatly about doing surgery really, really well, but he now cares about his patients. And, and as I was looking at that and, and reflecting on that this, this past week, I went back and I, and I watched a very brief YouTube clip from a director who describes his, the, the doctor's transition. And it's, quite, it's kind of incarnational the way she describes it. Uh, she describes him as being up at the pinnacle, at the, the height of privilege, at the penthouse of the hospital uh, with the heart surgeons. And, and then he has to go to the basement to get radiation therapy. And, and, and this is the way she describes it, down into the bowels. And, and so from the, the height, the realm of the gods to uh, the bowels of the, of the hospital. And this is what she says. It's almost as if a God became human. And is that not what happens with Christmas? Our God becomes human. And here's really the point. Christianity is the only religion in the world in which God has become the patient. And so whatever you are going through, our Savior has already been through it. And so he can get you through it. I want you to hear him this morning say to you, temptation, I have been there. Betrayal, oh yeah, I know it. Loneliness, yes, I've experienced it. Heartache, pain, rejection, I have walked all of those roads. And that's why I can show you the way through. 
But Jesus does even more than just kind of show us the way through the wilderness. He also identifies with us in our pain as he goes through it. You know, how many times do you see Jesus weeping or shedding a tear? How many times uh, do you read of Jesus in the Bible sighing? In Mark 7, he, he sighs as he heals the man who is deaf. Now, why does he do that? Because he lets himself be emotionally drained by us. What does he tell Mary after her brother Lazarus has died in John chapter 11? Uh, not a single word. He just weeps with her. Why? Because he has attached himself to us in, in such a way that we cannot be in pain without him being in pain as well. Why do you think Isaiah calls Jesus a man of sorrows? Because our sorrows become his sorrows. God has come for us himself. He is Emmanuel. And he has become one of us. He is the son of Mary. And he's come for us become one of us so that he can show us the way through this sometimes overwhelming world that is so very broken. But even beyond that, in, in doing that, he has joined us in our pain. He has taken our pain upon himself. Whatever you are going through, he has been through. And as you go through it, he feels exactly what you are going through. There's one thing, though, that is even better for us than that. He doesn't just come for us. He also gives himself to us. Our wonderful counselor gives himself to us. John 15, 5, we're told that he actually even lives in us and we live in him. And it's a forever relationship. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Those are the words of Christ himself in Hebrews chapter 13. And so more important perhaps than even hearing Jesus say to us, I'll show you the way through the wilderness, is, is his commitment to go through the wilderness with us. Fear not, for I am with you. He said that to Abraham. Fear not, I am with you. He said that to Isaiah, to Jeremiah, to his people in Haggai. And this morning, if you are his child, he, he says to you, Fear not, for I am with you, and I will go with you, and I will stay with you through everything you go through. I will never, ever leave you. When I uh, first became a, a senior pastor a number of years ago, I uh, called uh, a man that I knew of. Uh, his name was Joe Novenson, and, and um, if you don't know Joe, he's been in the PCA for a very long time. He's, a, he's kind of a one-off, as they say. He's an incredibly gifted, kind of unique preacher, but he's also probably the most caring person you will ever know. And, and uh, I called him, and I just said, Joe, you don't know me. Um, I only know of you but would you meet with me once a month for about a year and let me just ask you questions about, you know, how to serve well in this role as senior pastor? And he agreed to do that. And so for about a year, I spent a couple of hours once a month with him just firing questions at him. After that season was done and we hadn't seen each other for a while, 
I went through a, a season of, of pretty deep discouragement. And Job um, knows that kind of discouragement. He's been through it himself. He's had his own ups and downs. And uh, so Job, uh, knowing that I was in a season of, of discouragement, uh, left his office, got in his car in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, drove to Huntsville, Alabama, walked into my office, and he stood behind me, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he just sang the gospel over me. It was the words of encouragement from a brother who knew me very well. And it was, the, it was one of the most healing moments of my life. It's something I will never forget. But you know what? After a few minutes, Joe had to leave. He had to go back to his church and to his home. But Jesus says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our wonderful counselor doesn't just give us answers to our problems. He gives to us something so much better. He, he gives us himself, and he does so forever. He will never, ever leave you. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing that can be done to you that will, uh, that will make him leave. He has, he, has, he has attached himself to you permanently. He is yours. I can't imagine anything better, anything more life-changing than that. As one person has said so well, the most life-changing discovery you will ever make is coming to know Jesus Christ. Coming to know that he loves you, coming to know his promise to be with you, to be ever-present with you in your life, throughout your life. Coming to know that he promises to work everything you go through, the good, bad, and everything in between. He promises to work all of that for your good, all of that into a, a plan for your life that he has for your flourishing. See, that, that discovery, the discovery of Christ as, as your Savior, as your Lord, as your friend, as the one who is with you always, it will not take your problems away, but it sure will help you go through them in a way that you would not have been able to otherwise. I mean, think about it this way. If, if you have guilt. If you wrestle with guilt, then our Savior can, can handle that. He was called the friend of sinners. Think about that for a minute. He is the friend of sinners. He is the friend of the guilty. And on the cross, he, he died to, to, to make a way back to God for those who feel like there is no way back. If you've got regret over past mistakes, he can help you transform them. In his resurrection, he promised to make all things new. He, he promised again to use all things ultimately for your good. If you are called according to his purpose, if you love him and are loved by him. Uh, if you've got questions about eternity, he can answer those. He said to Doubting Thomas that he was the way, the truth, and the life. If you've got health problems, even serious ones, he can walk that road with you. The Bible says he is acquainted with grief. If you've got problems in your marriage or in your family, he can help. As Paul said about Christ, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if you've got wounds from past abuses, 
that he can heal those. The writer of Hebrews says he can save to the uttermost those who come to him. Even in this life, there is substantial healing offered to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And our prayer for you this Christmas season is that he would be your wonderful counselor. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Father, we, um, we so need your son. And we are so very grateful that you have sent him to us. And Jesus, so very grateful that you came to us and became one of us and identified so deeply with us in our pain that we cannot go through anything, any kind of pain that does not become your pain as well. Thank you that you are tempted in every way we are and that you can show us the way through the wilderness. But beyond that, thank you that you will go with us through the wilderness. Be our wonderful counselor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.